buildings in Koresh and about 75 followers, including 21 children, perished. Waco was a case of death by religious ignorance. Perhaps the outcome was fated. Perhaps the Branch Davidians were, as many believed, an incendiary cult in Koresh, a megalomaniac, hell-bent on death and destruction. Still, it might have ended differently if there had been someone, anyone, in the White House or the FBI who knew something, anything, about apocalyptic Christianity, if federal officials had not blithely dismissed Koresh's theology as Bible babble, unworthy of engagement. Religious ignorance proved deadly again in the aftermath of September 11, 2001, when an Indian-American man was shot and killed at an Arizona gas station by a vigilante who believed the man's turban marked him as a Muslim, and therefore for assassination. But what killed Balbir Singh Sodhi, who was actually a Sikh, was not simply bigotry. It was ignorance, the vigilante's inability to distinguish a Muslim from a Sikh. The moral of this story is not just that we need more tolerance. It is that we need better education, and not because it is nice to be multicultural, but because the world's religions, no longer quarantined in the nations of their birth, now live and move among us. Yoga in our church halls, nirvana in our dictionaries, and Sikhs at our gas stations. Religious ignorance was also rife after 9-11 in Washington, D.C., where, I soon learned to my dismay, hardly anyone spoke Arabic or understood the basics of Islam. And so the nation was treated for months to theology by soundbite. Islam is peace, President Bush stated repeatedly, as if that mantra were all Americans needed to know about the Islamic tradition. Meanwhile, the televangelist Jerry Falwell denounced Muhammad as a terrorist, and Paul Weyrich and William Lind, prominent voices in American conservatism, called Islam a religion of war. Who was right? Unfortunately, Americans had no way to judge, because when it comes to understanding the Islamic tradition, most Americans are kindergartners at best. Cultural Literacy Cultural literacy has been hotly debated ever since E.D. Hirsch's bestseller of that name injected the term into the culture wars in 1987. In cultural literacy, Hirsch, a University of Virginia English professor, argued that much of our common cultural coin had been drastically devalued. Remember the Alamo? Um, not, not really. Hirsch traced this problem to John Dewey and other progressive-era education reformers who gave up in the early 20th century on content-based learning in favor of a skills-based strategy that scorned the piling up of information. This new educational model produced, according to Hirsch, a gradual disintegration of cultural memory, which caused, in turn, a gradual decline in our ability to communicate. Hirsch rightly understood that there are civic implications of this descent into cultural ignorance, particularly in a democracy that assumes an informed citizenry. Having the right to vote is meaningless, he observed, if a citizen is disenfranchised by illiteracy or semi-literacy. So Hirsch called for a return in America's schools to core knowledge, beginning with his book's appendix of 5,000 or so names, dates, concepts, and phrases essential in his view to cultural literacy. When I first began teaching in the early 1990s, I was a follower of Dewey and the progressives. In high school, I had come to see the subject of history as nothing more than the mindless accumulation of names and dates, and I vowed upon entering college in the late 1970s that I would study every subject I could manage except history. Happily, I came across a professor who taught me that the vocation of history is not about memorizing names and dates, but about forming judgments and contributing to debates about what happened in the past. So when I finished graduate school and became a professor myself, I told students that I didn't care about facts. I cared about having challenging conversations, and I offered my quiz-free classrooms as places to do just that. I soon found, however, 
that the challenging conversations I coveted were not possible without some common knowledge, common knowledge my students plainly lacked. And so, quite against my prior inclinations, I began testing them on simple terms. In my world religions classes, I told my students that before we could discuss in any detail the great religious traditions of the world, we would need to have some shared vocabulary in each, some basic religious literacy. In this way, I became like Hirsch, a traditionalist about content, not because I had come to see facts as the end of education, but because I had come to see them as necessary means to understanding. Today, religious illiteracy is at least as pervasive as cultural illiteracy, and certainly more dangerous. Religious illiteracy is more dangerous because religion is the most volatile constituent of culture, because religion has been, in addition to one of the greatest forces for good in world history, one of the greatest forces for evil. Whereas ignorance of the term Achilles' heel may cause us to be confused about the outcome of a Super Bowl game or a statewide election, ignorance about Christian...